You're listening to the award-winning Blue Jay Boys Show on WRSC with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor D. How's it going, folks? You're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show. My name is Big Chuck. I have Senor Diaz to my left and right in front of me, Sackman. we got a great show for you guys today. We're going to be talking about the NBA. Uh, all the awards finalists have been announced. Some of the awards have been already announced. We'll talk to you guys about some of that. Uh, to start off with that section, though, we wanted to talk about the Chicago Bulls and their disappointing finale to the season. Let's start by talking about that last game against the Miami Heat. What happened? It was looking so good. They were up six with, what, six minutes to go. I was like, okay, I think they got this. I'm going to go drive over to my friend Ty's house. And then I got there, and they lost by, like, ten. I mean, Jimmy Butler reverted to the form of his father in that game, Michael Jordan. (laughs) And, yeah, we couldn't finish it out. And a wonderful season very dysfunctional season where we underachieved mightily and our savior point guard who was supposed to come back is now gone forever. Sad way to go out for the Bulls. Josh, what do you think the big issue with this game was? Like, what, what made the Bulls lose this game? You know, I didn't really get to catch too much of the game, but it when I went and looked back at it, it came back to, you know, I feel like who we were playing at the time, and I mean, I'm looking at the box score now, and I mean, you know, 16 points for Caruso, 15 for Levine, and Drozen 26, and Vooch is 12, right? But Vooch, I don't want to say barely, but he only had nine rebounds, and none of them were offensive. They were all defensive rebounds, which is bad, you know, because he's not – your Giannis or your Embiid or your Jokic, but we need all more offensive rebounds from a you know the center that we're playing and starting right. But it also doesn't help when he plays on the court. He's minus twenty three. I think that was probably the like worst thing that I've seen. Drummond was actually plus eight when he was on the court. Yep. Not to mention he had eight rebounds in ten minutes. Nikola Vucevic played 34 minutes and had one more rebound than Andre Drummond. And yep. Andre Drummond didn't even play an entire quarter in this whole game. Yeah. Didn't help that we played the best three-point shooting team in the league and we're the worst three-point shooting team in the league. I mean, Max Struess was just catching and shooting all first quarter. We were just standing there stupefied. We did not know what to do. He's not that good, Max Struess. I've seen him play in person in high school. He's not that good. My boy Taylor White from Addison Trail High School locked him up. He's not that special. But this this game was a common theme for the Bulls the entire season. They lose by a lot from the three-point line. They're down 10, 15, 20 points from the free throw line. We didn't get enough rebounds, especially from Vucevic, as Josh just mentioned. We didn't have our, our point guard. Ooh, who do we even start point guard? The Crusoe uh, lineup? Or who, who was our it was lineup? Beverly. Which which was also worse because zero points, yeah. minus one, four personal fouls, four assists, two rebounds, one offensive rebound, yeah. and one of them was a defensive rebound. O for four, o for three, yeah. and twenty seven minutes. Yeah, that that's not acceptable. He locked up Gabe Vincent though. 
Thank God. Oh, yeah. I could lock up <laughs> Vincent. Again, we did not get the production we needed from the point guard position. Kobe White was playing well, but we then, of course, didn't play him enough because Billy Donovan has a set rotation and lineups that he's not going to change no matter what. I could take a baseball bat and hit Nikola Vucevic in the head 39 times, and he's still going to play him at least 34 minutes. <laughs> it's, he's not going to change. Yeah, I it, could go up to Patrick Beverly and rip out both of his eyes. He's still going to play t- at least 30 minutes. Kobe White, I can give Kobe White whatever they gave Batman when Batman had to stick it in his arm and go rescue the rest of the city at the end of the Batman movie. The adrenaline. He'll still only get 18 minutes. <laughs> whatever that was. They said it was Narcan. It was not Narcan. Or epinephrine, sorry. That was oh devil serum. Yeah, I mean, overall, this performance, it wasn't expected. You know, if this was a regular season game, this would have been an expected performance, right? But it was a win, it was a win or go home situation. And, you know, talking to a bunch of other people, you know, around campus, they everyone had their money on the Bulls. Yeah, we because, them because in the regular of the, season. Because of the performance we had against uh, Atlanta, right? Uh, Toronto. Toronto, sorry. Um, and it was like, man, Toronto caught it. You know, like they, they caught their grenade and just let it go off in their hands. And everyone was like, Miami's just going to catch it and just, you know, take it. But Miami caught it and threw it right back in our face, you know. And it goes back to the whole thing we've been talking about was Billy Donovan playing not to win, but to just get by. You know, and I, I think that's kind of what happened was obviously, like Sackley said, you know, he has his set rotations and these set rotations aren't getting it done. And I don't know why this hasn't clicked for him, you know, because it's either because at the what the beginning of the season, Dasumu was our starting point guard. Now he's a man off the bench. Played four minutes. So. Played yeah, four minutes and he's minus seven on the court, you know. I don't know why he has such a hard time playing Kobe White. Like Kobe White, the last month of the season, that's the point guard we drafted with the seventh overall pick in 2019 that we was supposed to be our point guard for the next 10 years. That, But Jim Boylan had to ruin it, and Billy Donovan didn't help much either. Everyone forgets about Kobe White. In his second season, he averaged 15, 5, and 5 in his first season in the NBA playing point guard because he, he was the microwave-scoring two-guard off the bench for that whole year Jim Boylan was there. Then when no one played basketball for nine months due to the coronavirus, and then we throw him in there, and they're like, well, he doesn't quite look good enough. Let's put in Thomas Sadoransky. Yeah. Well, and they they had to put in Thomas Sadoransky because they paid him $10 million a year to just come and be a backup point guard. They yeah. couldn't not play him. Yeah. How does Thomas Sadoransky get $10 million? Yeah, that's crazy. Because but- he was supposed to be the next, like, triple-double dude. They were like, oh, he's huge. He's foreign. He's going to get a triple-double automatically. And then he just didn't do anything. Yeah, he's not even in the league anymore. Nope. He's been gone for a while. As soon as we traded him, he went. He's playing for the the Xinjiang Flying Leopards, <laughs> the Shanghai Sharks, which uh, Eric Bledsoe's team and uh, Michael Beasley's team in China, they just got uh, those two teams. I don't know if it was those two in particular, but they just got busted for point shaving. And now their GM has and coach has been thrown in jail, and no one's heard from them since. Some breaking news from China. We'll keep you guys updated on the Chinese basketball league. Yeah, and what's crazy is that how you said Kobe White went was what, 15, 5, and 5? Yeah, his last season as a starting point guard. 20th, 
22-23, obviously not a starting point guard, but 9-2-2. Two, and two. Yeah, only like 18, 20 minutes. That is crazy. Like, that, like, I feel like, which is, it's weird, but I feel like these coaches have a tendency of knowing how to ruin players whenever they come to Chicago. And I'm not just saying, like, Billy Donovan. Like, it goes back to... Especially Boylan. Yeah, it, all it goes guys. back to that, you know? Like, I feel like we just know how to have a losing reputation and how to ruin players. Because it, it's notorious. Because it happens on the, on the Bulls, it happens on the Bears, it happens on the Cubs, it happens on the Blackhawks. Whenever someone plays for a Chicago team... And then they leave. They look like gods elsewhere. It's so annoying. Yeah. Um, it's just like, why did we go through all of this? And obviously, Kobe White had value on the trade market this offseason yeah. and at the Pat trade Williams. deadline. Patrick Williams had value on the market and the trade deadline. Ouch. And we kept every single one of them because they were so positive these guys were going to help us in a playoff run. And then they don't play them in the playoff run. They don't give him a chance. And in this one, first of all, I wouldn't have given Patrick Williams a chance even if he, like, was available to because he played awful in this game too. He was just following every five seconds, which, by the way, the rest of the team was doing too. They they can't play defense without slapping guys. Like, it's impossible for them to play real defense no matter who is doing it. Zach Levine should never be – like, if they could sub guys out for, like, the defensive half of the thing – like a DH for a defensive side of yeah. the ball, Zach Levine would get it 10 times out of 10 on any team he plays for, besides maybe if he was playing with Trey Young. Yeah. yeah. But even this season, I think I would give Trey Young the benefit of the doubt over <laughs> Zach Levine. So it's just like, why, why waste our time and energy with these young guys if you don't even want them to play? We're going to bring the same exact team back next year. Exactly. Like different results. Rumor has it they want to give DeMar the four-year, $179 million contract. That's crazy. At I, age 34. Um, at age 97. Yeah. I, I, Rumor has it they want to bring back Vooch as well. I like DeMar. I, okay, Vooch, I love him, but he's 34 years old. He's only going down from here. Yeah, that Vooch one is crazy. That one's out of pocket. Drafted, but I like DeMar a lot, right? Yeah. He's a good. He's the mid-range king. I'll give him that. But, that's not but he wins. is not worth $179 million for four years. Not even close. Not yeah, not even close uh, to have the same exact stats he produced this season just for next season. That that's not what I want. That's nothing. That's not what Chicago wants. That's not going to win us championships. That's not going to put us in that sixth seed and not have to deal with these stupid playing games. You know, that that's not going to get it done. And honestly, in my opinion, I think it starts with the head coach. I don't think having Billy Donovan here anymore, especially with that under the table five, five season extension, was. I think that's where like it started to crumble. Because these guys probably knew that, ooh, after that first season, it was just like, mm, I don't know, man. It's, it's been kind of bad. But then all of a sudden, this all of a sudden emerges, and it's like, yeah, five more seasons. What? Excuse me? You now it's, it. yeah, now it's like, oh, I'm 34, 35. I want 179 right now, and you got me forever. No. What? You're, you're, a, you're a dog of a player. Like you and Levine are really, are some really good players, but honestly, I think Chicago's gonna let both of them go. I would just blow it up. Like I, the only one I'd keep is probably Desumu, Terry, and maybe Kobe White. Like I'm getting rid of everyone else. Maybe Patrick Beverly, because like he kind of lit a fire under 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 Chicago, but his stats aren't effective enough to help us win games. Generational player. <laughs> <laughs> but like there are some guys that I would keep on here, you know, like. That have you know? I'd keep Kobe. I'd yeah. Keep Pat Will. 
Ayo, Dale and Terry, and I'm keeping Lonzo. I'm sorry. I understand it's his third well, surgery. You, know you can't get rid of him. You can't get rid of him. He's not playing next year either, so he's never gonna play again. I, I I think he'll play. I if I were, it's gonna be a last second decision, but I'm I'm th- I'm I'm taking he's playing. If I'm I were Lonzo Ball, I'd retire right right now after I heard that diagnosis that I'm not playing for one more year. I'd say yeah, I'm calling it a career. Um, the big I just the Billy Donovan. You go back to that signing, and you know they like they had a feeling this was gonna happen because they did it so secretly. Yeah. They did all that. They let it come out through some random reporter who found out from his buddy in the organization. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what AK was thinking. I really don't. The mystique well, around AK is gone. Yeah. Now he's just he's just Jim Boylan with a fancy last name. <laughs> well, or sorry, Gar Gar Foreman with a fancy last name. You you can't you can't fire Billy Donovan. So because you gave him that giant extension, you have to eat your words with that one. It's kind of like the Tomas Sadaransky thing we were yeah. talking about. You kind of have to just live with it for at least a couple more years because you can't eat that money that fast. Yeah. You're still paying off Rick Hamilton. Exactly. So you have to you have to let him coach because it's like, well, it's, I'd rather do that and give him the money year by year versus just give him it all now and say we're yeah, done instead with of you. a buyout. Yeah. But that means you probably should fire AK because this is just Eversley. Awful. Eversley doesn't get held accountable for anything. Like what is he? Like he in the postseason press conference, end of season press conference, I believe Artanis Karnasovas fielded twenty nine or thirty one questions. Eversley fielded two. Like what do we what do we hire him for if it's just gonna be AK running everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like and AK like the whole thing is like his big thing that everybody was talking about is he was gonna go back and look at the team and he's he said like you said, he was like, I wanna try to bring back the same roster. Like I hear that as the owner of the Chicago Bulls, and I'm going, hmm, maybe I should start looking at other options. Yeah. Because that is not the mindset you want going into this offseason. No. If they look, I'm fine with them not wanting to do a full rebuild. I would do a, a solid retooling. And by that, I mean getting rid of all the old guys and keeping Caruso. Our starting lineup would be Kobe, because I think he can really sprout as our starting point guard. Keep Levine, our young star who... We, when he's healthy, when he's feeling good, when that knee's feeling good, he's a top 15 player in the league. I'm getting rid of DeMar. I'm training DeMar. We drafted Patrick Williams to be our small forward. Year, whatever year he's in, it's make it or break it. Because this year is basically his second year. I'm going out, I'm getting a young, some new power forward and a new center. And then I'm, I'm going to play Dale and Terry Moore off the bench, having me my sixth or seventh man, along with A.O., Russo, and then whoever else we sign. That's what I'm doing. What I'm doing if I'm AK, uh, I'm doing. I'm not keeping Zach Levine. No. Zach Levine isn't on this team next year if I'm him. Um, what I would try to do, and I know this kind of sounds like a little bit of a long shot, but I don't think it is. Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Patrick Williams, and a couple picks who go out and get Zion Williamson. Oh, wow. We already have Lonzo who can't play. Now but we want him. Yo, he's Zion not Williamson he's not is an all-star in all – NBA player when he is healthy. And if he is healthy with maybe a new environment, a new training staff, that could be one of the best moves Chicago Bulls have made in a long time. And they did they not go out in the stock market and buy stock in Portillo? <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I don't. I don't disagree with you. He is a generational yeah, player. He's, he's he dynamic. Is. Yeah. And, but the thing is, the things that you were saying was when he is and if he is healthy. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that worries me the most. Because... If I'm AK, right, 
and I do this the same exact trade that you just said right now. And then he comes in and all of a sudden, you know, he's working out, he's starting to get healthier, starting to drop some weight, he's getting real nice and lean and whatever and starting to look really scary. And then all of a sudden you hear, when I feel like Zion, excuse me? I If I'm AK, I do not want to hear that come out of his mouth. If I'm trading the V, I'm trading him the Knicks. What are you getting from the Knicks? Julius Randle. They're not getting No, they're not getting up Julius. What you're going to get is you're going to get <laughs> Manuel quickly. Mm-hmm. Who's I'll take an Obi Toppin. Yeah, him and Obi Toppin. Obi Top- I wanted the Bulls to draft Obi Toppin. Yeah. I, th- I just think you can get so much more for Zach Levine than Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin. Yeah, but Emmanuel Quickly is the sixth man of the year, in my opinion, this year. And he'd be our starting two guard. He'd be in a bigger role. Whenever he got heat, think about it. He's been, he was the only ever rookie to ever make a significant impact under Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> he plays for Tom Thibodeau. If this man played for any other coach, he's scoring 25 a game. He replaces Levine. That's our new star in the backcourt. We get Obi Toppin, who... Whenever he played, whenever Randall's out, look at all the games where Randall's out with injury. He literally averages like 22-8. and eight. He's an athletic freak. He can handle the ball, shoot threes. He's a better three-point shooter than anyone in our starting line. You get him, and maybe like a Jericho Sims. Young center, he'd be a good backup center. Very athletic, rim protector. Was one of the few young guys to actually play under Thibodeau. You go and you do that, you cleared, because they're quickly stunned a rookie deal. Toppin's on a rookie deal. Sims has two years left of a rookie deal. You have all that cap space, and you go out. You can get whoever you feel compliments those guys. Uh, maybe get a first-round pick back. The Knicks have multiple first-round picks because they traded their pick last year. And then you're rolling. You go out and you get a point guard. I also don't mind how we, we've talked about it before, going for Gobert. Gobert would be a nice touch. I don't. He, he's a locker room issue. Yeah, I mean, I I would like Rudy Gobert on this team if it was last offseason. Yeah. yeah. This, what has happened at the end of the season here and just that contract, like, if I'm going to go out and get a big contract, I'm going out and getting Zion Williamson. Like, if I'm going to go out and get a big contract, it's got to be him. Because I get what you guys are saying about, like, his, like, whole availability and stuff. But at the same time, like, it's doing something for this organization. That's a make-or-break move. You like It's better than just treading water like we are right now. I'd rather they go out and do that and say that we are at least trying because if he plays, like you're saying all the stuff if he doesn't play. If he plays, he's changing the direction of this franchise. Yeah. That's the other thing. So if I'm going to go out and, spend and trade all my money for more money, it's got to be a guy like that. If you go out and get Rudy Gobert – He's not changing your franchise. He's helping you tread water again. Okay, yeah. So that, that's why I would kind of stay away from Rudy Gobert. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of other places. Like, I would say, like, Portland, if we could get, like, a Jeremy Grant, maybe a Yusuf Nurkic back for Zach Levine, I'd take that. I, and you could probably get some draft picks out of them, too, because they have a lot. I wouldn't be mad about that. Um, I wouldn't if, be mad if we get rid of DeMar to open up the cap space to go get Lillard. Mm-hmm. That I'd would be, be fine with that, if if they're willing to give Lillard. Which I think I, I think they I think this is the off season. You think where so? Lillard goes? He made some comments. He made a rap song about it, <laughs> and oh. he did. He did. He's if all the guys who like NBA players who actually rap, he's actually like a legitimate. Rapper. I, I actually I have some of his songs on my playlist. Like he, he's a legit. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. He's not just Miles Bridges trying to get out of the NBA. He's he <laughs> makes some nice solid songs, but. 
That's what I would do. If we're going to go get a big money guy that we need a point guard, that would work. I don't know who we really give up. Maybe definitely Pat Will and you got to give up at least Kobe, at least Zach or, or Demar, if not both of them. That's like I like Damian Lillard. I his value is so crazy because he is the second best point guard in the NBA right now. Yeah, and point guards like for I think they just have like every team has this idea that point guards are worth the most. Like out of any player you could trade, for. you need a good point guard to win a championship. Exactly. It so it's gonna it's gonna cost a lot to get a guy like Damian. Just because of how highly ranked he is in at that position. I mean, I think if you're looking, I kind of want to go back and look at the Timberwolves a little bit. And a guy like Carl Anthony Towns could be available. I wouldn't be too mad about a Carl Anthony Towns for Zach Levine type of trade. I'm fine with that. Zach wouldn't be happy with that, but I'd be happy no, with that. <laughs> going back home to Minnesota. Yeah, baby. going back home, baby. <laughs> and when he when he got drafted on draft night, he like basically just. Threw an F bomb, <laughs> looked like his dog just died. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of possibilities for the Bulls this off season. Though, just the only thing I don't want to see is that this same team comes back. I don't. I really don't. That's it. Even at least just get rid of Vooch and go get like a Mitchell Robinson type yeah. player. At, at least that change. I don't want to see Vucevic on this team next year. He is like the most like that in a legitimate point guard replacement. Yes. Playing for the future beyond Lonzo. Playing like we're not going to have Lonzo. We're not right getting now. him back. He's not coming back. They keep planning like we're going to have Lonzo. In, in the Plan minimum. Plan for if we don't and be happy if he does. At the minimum, he'll be back in 2024. Which it's is last second news. Season. He's playing that 23 season, bro. It's going to be last decision news. I, I It's going to be like a Quincy Pondexter return where it's like a meaningless <laughs> game in April. And he like goes out and has a double-double. <laughs> he's like, he's back. Oh, He's back. <laughs> I think Quincy Bontexter is more like a Taylor Horton Tucker, not exactly a Lonzo Ball. But <laughs> um, let's move on from the Chicago Bulls. We talked about them a little longer than we were planning yeah. it on. Uh, let's talk about the Miami Heat going into that first round of the playoffs against the Milwaukee Bucks. They stunned the Bucks in that first game. What is it going to take for the uh, Heat to kind of finish the series if they want to complete this upset? Well. Go ahead, you go. Giannis is going to have to miss at least one more game. They can do that. Jimmy Butler plays like playoff Jimmy Butler dragging a team with every bone in his body to the finish line. He's going to have to do that. And then I would say personally, I mean, Bam Adebayo is going to have to step up. They've been getting decent production out of Lowry. That needs to continue, especially from the three-point line now with Hero being out. Struess needs to be on this entire series. And, you know, same as Gabe Vincent. He had some corner threes at the end that really kind of solidified that. And, yeah, that's what it's going to take for them. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing for the Miami Heat is making sure that only one of the Bucks' big three plays well. They can't have two of those guys play well. Um, you look at this last game, Chris Milton was really – like Drew Holiday had a good game. He had 16 and 16, but he didn't shoot well. Um, if he shoots well, it's it's over. This they don't win this game, and that was without Giannis for most of the game. And then there's a possibility that Giannis could come back for Game Three, uh, earliest uh, because tonight I think you said he's doubtful, right, Josh? Yeah. Has on there. Do, oh, do they play tonight? Uh, I think it's tonight. It should be because it's been one night in between. Um, but um, so if you can hold, especially while Giannis is out for at least one more game. 
if you can hold Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton below 20 points, that's a win for you. Yeah. The other thing is Bam Adebayo is going to have to step up, like Sackley yeah. said. They play tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Okay. So if that gives Giannis a little more time, that's kind of scary for the Heat. Yeah. Um, But the big thing for the Heat is that Tyler Hero's out too now. He yeah, because he, yeah, he's having surgery, and they're saying that he's going to be out until the finals. Yeah, and that's if they make the finals. Yeah, that's <laughs> so he's basically out when, for the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, when I saw that, I was just like, oh, he, He's man. out for the playoffs. Yeah. So Bam Adebayo is going to have to step up on the offensive side of the ball. His issue is that he's going up against Giannis. But I say this every year, and I said this in 2020. This was the big thing when the Heat made it to the finals. Everybody was like, they're not getting past the Bucks in that Eastern Conference Finals divisional round. And then you watch the game, and you're like, the Heat aren't better than the Bucks." But they are exactly what the Bucks don't want to see yeah. ever. And it still holds true this year. Yeah. The big issue is that Tyler Hero is out now, and that kind of hurts them because the Bucks have this big tendency to just kind of give up. They, they're like, we won't let anybody attack the paint. You're going to have to beat us by shooting against us. It's like Giannis and Brooke Lopez have the paint on lock. You're not scoring on the paint. So beat us from the perimeter. And Tyler Hero is kind of the guy that you wanted for that because he has does so well on the ISO side of things. Um, but now you have to rely on Max Struess to do that consistently, which I don't think he can do that consistently, or like Gabe Vincent to do that consistently, because Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo aren't going to be as effective, especially if Giannis is healthy and playing. But defensively, they can hold their own because Jimmy Butler matches up so well against uh, Chris Middleton, because Bam Adebayo matches up so well against Giannis. Um, so if they can win on the defensive side of things and then Bam Adebayo can also step up on the offensive side of things, they have a shot to beat the Bucks. and I think this is the only team that does have a shot to beat the Bucks in this entire playoffs, honestly. Yeah, and I, I was going to say, like, I, 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 I like what you're saying, that they have to step it up defensively, but I feel like it's more or less the offensive side of things because I feel like with what you're saying with, like, the matchups and everything, I, I believe in the matchups to work on the defensive side, right? But the offensive side of things, I don't really believe in it, and I think that's where they need to really, like, um, really put the nail in the coffin with this next game tomorrow because they really need to keep the, you know, the foot on the neck and really, like, devise a plan to abuse the paint rather than try and stay out of it. How you're saying, you know, beat them from the perimeter type thing. I feel like Jimmy and... Bam, really need to, you know, come up with some kind of routine or something that they can do to really be the bigger abuser in the paint than the Bucks. Because obviously, like you're saying, like Giannis has an extra day to rest. And, I mean, Brook Lopez is Brook Lopez, you know. But um, if they can be the bigger abuser in the paint this next game and still kill them from the perimeter, this Bucks team has zero chance. Zero. And that's just what it comes down to. Even, even if Giannis is doubtful or questionable or whatever, or if he's like so-so, killing them from the perimeter, but also coming up with a plan to kill them, like I mean murder them in the paint, is going to be so helpful because then this team is just going to like crumble. Because then it's like, man, me and Brooke in the paint and they're still scoring on us? Like that, it's just gonna diminish them so bad. Like it, it's it's gonna kill them because you know they're so they're so known for Giannis being this big paint defender and your jump from the free throw dunk guy on offense and whatever. But if you just you know 
work your way around things and really like how you said kill from the perimeter but come up with something to take that pain away from them this series is done what what, what do you think is that game plan with this he roster that could take that paint away from them i think it i think they need to incorporate kevin love in the paint i know he's not your ideal big guy like Giannis or Brooke, but I feel like if you put Bam, Love, and Jimmy working together in the paint and coming up with things like that, yeah, that that's, be- man, they're going to be spinning in circles. Milwaukee's not going to know what to do because it's not something that they're familiar with seeing. How you're saying, this is the team that they did not want to face. They were looking They were looking for the Bulls. Right when, that, right when the Bulls beat Toronto, they were like, oh, we got the Bulls, we're winning this, we're moving on. But right when they saw when the Bulls lost, they were probably like, oh, my God, what's happening? It's like that scene from SpongeBob in his head when they're, like, burning files and running around. (laughs) Like, they just don't know what to do. Like, they're so lost. And I feel like if they can incorporate the three-point shooting with Struess and maybe if Kyle Lowry plays a little bit more, I think, and he steps up to the plate, and then you got your Kevin Love and Bam and Jimmy all working together to get around these big two in the paint, this series is done. It's done, cause you're gonna com- you're gonna confuse the Bucks one, and they're not gonna know how to defend it correctly, cause you have so many avenues to get points. Yeah, I- yeah Kevin Love being active and scoring 18 points will help them a ton, cause you know Bam's obviously their center. They really haven't had a power forward all year. Last year is PJ Tucker. He's gone. He went to the Sixers. So if he can just do that, doesn't need to be Minnesota Kevin Love that never came back. Doesn't even need to be Cleveland. Kind yeah. Of yeah, no. If we can just get, like, you know, one foot in, one foot out, Cleveland Kevin Love, <laughs> depression Kevin Love, that would <laughs> A be A consistent right. Kevin yes. Love, yes. <laughs> yeah, and Kyle Lowry, the only, the only problem with him, they, they didn't play him a lot last game, even after he killed the Bulls. It's, just, it's solely because of Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, when you watch him play defense, it's like he might be the best guard defender since Gary Payton. Like, he is that much of a menace on the perimeter to guards. It's, it's easy to guard Lowry, I mean. Yeah, especially that, when he's 92 years old. That, that <laughs> He's got a big target behind him. You know where he's going, because you can see it. It's just that big, just <laughs> massive, just behind. You know where it's going. <laughs> yeah. They always say, look at <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See, they always said look at the hips or look at the, like, midsection because it never lies. I mean, his really doesn't lie. His is honest Abe. I mean, it, it, you, it tells you beforehand. It gives you a couple texts, a call. Oh it sends a telegram. It's in the newspaper. It's on Instagram, MySpace, ticked everywhere. MySpace, oh, no. <laughs> Uh, we didn't get a relegation rant from Sackley yet, but we got <laughs> Kyle Lowry booty rant from him before that. Hey, the uh, way the Timberwolves played in that first game, they could be battling out the Rochester Razor Sharks any second now. <laughs> Let's go move over and talk about that Timberwolves game. They played Denver uh, in the first round here uh, after miracle making it out of the play-in tournament. I mean, this team did not deserve no, to make it out no, of the play-in this... at all. Relegation! Uh, they took a pretty bad beating from the Nuggets. What What do the Minnesota Timberwolves need to do to at least make this a competitive first round? 
I don't think they can do anything, <laughs> to be honest, man. I think I think you're looking at your your back to back to back MVP on the Nuggets. Um and Jamal Murray is just that dude, bro. Yeah, if like, he plays like that he, every game, it's gonna be over. He's coming back with a vengeance because after that bubble, uh when he hurt himself, like he he was on a vengeance return. I don't and, know, maybe he maybe he's back with that girlfriend he had at that time. <laughs> that could be it. What was her name? Harper Henkel? Hempel? Volleyball player? Famous? I don't know. Let's not talk about this girlfriend. These, these stats are insane right now. If he, you know, you get treatment after the game. All right. Okay. For that knee, you know, he's coming off the ACL. I mean, but I think she'll help. <laughs> he did that to himself. I think the... The Nuggets, if you know, Jokic was like on any of this team, is just built perfect for him. Yeah. Only because Michael Porter Jr., whenever he touches the ball, he's throwing the ball up. He does not care. He has never thought about passing once in his entire life. Jamal Murray only, only thinks about passing like the only half thing the time. Michael Porter Jr. ever passed on was the vaccine. <laughs> that was it. I'm very disappointed in Michael Porter. I thought he was going to be a lot better coming out of college. I thought he was going to be kind of like a Durant esque player. Has not happened, but there's some games, you know, as we know, he doesn't pass it, but there's some games where he's going to go and get 32 because he's not going to miss. Which, Porter can be a beast. It's just up to him wanting it and staying healthy. He's an X Factor. He had Aaron Gordon. He was dunking on people left right. He was getting to the rim. He was dribbling. He was doing moves I've never seen him do before. He looked like the Aaron Gordon that was at University of the Arizona that was with Nick Marshall, and they were running the Pac-12. And he's honestly the defensive anchor of this team. Yeah. Like, which is something, like, he's always been semi-good at defense just because of how athletic he is. Yeah. But he's just stepped it up since he got to Denver. It, he looks like he looks like he's accepted his role more than yes. when he was in Orlando. So, when Orlando was always like, is this the year he takes the next jump, becomes a star? <laughs> is this going to be the year? It's year six in a row. It hasn't happened yet. I think it's going to happen in year seven. Never happened. But now he's he's officially, he's okay with the role of being, like, you know, a 15-7 and seven guy. Dunks, athleticism, some defense. A little bit of everything. Can shoot. Yes. There's a big three. Threes. Yeah. One one game he'll make six threes. The next one will be to all 12 points will be in the paint. That's just the type of guy he is. Yeah, I think he's one of, like, that's another guy. Like, again, like I was saying, this team is just built for Nicole Jokic yes. so perfectly. Everybody is just willing to do anything they can to, like, help out on that day in that game plan. Everybody is a, like, what's the saying? They're a jack of all trades but a master of none. That's how everybody yeah. on this team feels. Like, Say the Nuggets are a sandwich, right? And Nikola Jokic, he's like the processed meat that's on it. Like, he tastes delicious, but it's not good for you. There's some parts of it that's not going to be good for you. Then you got Porter coming. He's the tomatoes. You got Murray. He's the lettuce and the mayonnaise. <laughs> mayonnaise. And then you got... Mayo, <laughs> <laughs> And then you got um, Gordon. He's the cheese. And then their bench, which I think has been pretty good, that's the whole wheat bread. And all of a sudden, you know, it's not that bad for you after all. It tastes good. And there you go. That's what they are. <laughs> There's that sandwich that looks a little odd, but it tastes very good. Because, like, you look at this team. Okay, Jokic is, I feel like if he, if he just had one knee injury, he'd be, like, stuck in shelves at Walmart. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you got Murray, who, you know, he's coming off the ACL He's very streaky. There's some games where he looks amazing. 
like Bubble Murray. Some games he looks terrible. He's just jacking stuff up. And then you got Aaron Gordon, who's same thing, but you don't know what to expect from him, really. You really don't. This team just it just it all works. It just meshes together. They have Michael Malone, who is kind of a character leading the show. Denver's kind of a wacky place. I've been there before. The altitude helps. That's like two, three baskets a game. <laughs> it's not baseball. It does. All NBA players say it. They're like, yeah, I had like an extra two, three feet of shooting range. <laughs> All right, no way. I, I swear. <laughs> I saw Omer Sheik make a elbow jump shot in Denver. It is a real thing. Omer Sheik. Dude, he was, he was Jokic before Jokic, so he would have made no. that anyway. <laughs> no, I've never seen a, le- a less athletic person. And then him. The fact that he was on the Bulls in, like, early 2018 was, like, the weirdest thing I've ever seen. That was like seeing Michael Myers read a book to, like, a preschool children. That was weird. It's a real thing. Look it up. Why do you think when the few times there was a dunk contest, the All-Star game in Denver, the dunk contest was awesome. Gerald Green did a 360 windmill and blew out a candle on a cupcake because it was his birthday. Dwight Howard jumped from the free throw. He jumped so high, he hurt his back. (laughs) God, man. (laughs) It's Um, a real thing. So, I think the general consensus in this room is that the Timberwolves are going to lose the series pretty single-handed. Not even a gentleman's sweep. It's going to be a full-blown sweep. (laughs) Everyone gets relegated except (laughs) Anthony Edwards. We give Anthony Edwards his own franchise. I mean, after that play-in game, though, I mean, we might have to relegate Anthony Edwards. Yeah, that was bad. That was I, was, I was hyping Bro, him guys. up. I was hyping him up, saying he's like this and that. He's awesome. And he goes like three for 16. I saw it. Uh, I saw no, I saw it, especially because when they were beating the Lakers. When they were beating the Lakers, and it was like Towns had like 25 and 12. Gobert looked okay. And, like, he was like three of, like, 33. I was like, oh, I just. Of yeah. course. I look like a donkey. Cyclist <laughs> the donkey of the week. Yes. Um, what what do you think the next step for this Minnesota Minnesota Timberwolves team is this offseason? I have no clue. I have genuinely no clue. <laughs> my co- my con- Rock Duster Region Sharks and Jacksonville Giants in the ABA. <laughs> Let's go. Come on. Give them a real challenge. They've won it every year since since twenty uh fourteen. I don't know. Mike Conley's like forty years old. You got to go back. You can't move away from Gobert. You don't have a first round pick for the next four years. You have Anthony Edwards and you have Carl Anthony Towns. That's two basically all stars. McDaniel's is a solid player when he's not breaking his hand by punching a wall. After that, I don't know what. Because I thought this team got legitimately worse at the trade deadline. Like getting rid of Vanderbilt and D'Lo for Conley. And Malik Beasley, too. And Beasley. I don't know what that was about, but the, this is the same team that pulled that stuff with Kevin Garnett where they paid a player under the table to take less than they could, but it was like a total role player. It was like, it was a, I believe his name was Joe Bryant. He was a num- former number one overall pick, but he was like kind of like a Mark Helf in terms of career arc, not as good as Mark Helf He was like a 13 and five per game type of guy. They, role player. Yeah, they paid him like under the table and they lost like three first round draft picks and that's when they were terrible. So you have that guy running the the Wolves. 
in Minnesota. It's too cold. We can't think. <laughs> I, I really don't know. I, I cannot understand this team. Have never understood this team. Like, you, you look our, through our entire childhood. You'd like Kevin Love looked like Will Chamberlain when he was on that team. With Nikola Pekovic, who's now the biggest international drug dealer in Eastern Europe. That's real. Look it up. <laughs> He's wanted. He's on the run. They don't know where he is. With Ricky Rubio, who Ricky Rubio, who was supposed to be the next prodigy. And then you had Alexi Shved, who I've never seen a worse NBA player. With AK-47, Andre Kirilenko. So you, had, you went from that group to the young... Wiggins, Levine, Towns, which then failed. Then you went to Jimmy Butler, and he basically bullied everyone. And then just left. And then just <laughs> left. And just even screwed over the coach that he loved so dearly. He just, like, decimated the franchise and said, yeah, I'm out. Then Thibs, Thibs was, like, depressed for, like, a half a season. And then, <laughs> and then you you go to this new Anthony Edwards, D'Lo, Cat, Pat Bev for one inspirational season, generational player, playing performance and celebration, to this. I have no clue where this franchise is going. If it was me, relegation. <laughs> relegation. <laughs> um, let's, let's move on to one of the other uh, series. You mentioned the Los Angeles Lakers before. Um, what, what does this Lakers team need to do to be not only winners of this series, especially with Ja going down now with an un, like really no desired time at all. Nobody really yeah, knows how long that, he's going to be that out. That did not look good. Um, what does this Lakers team need to do to actually compete in the playoffs? Because a lot of people are saying they could be one of the dark horses in this. What, what all is, they got to do is stay healthy. If 80, I can't move my arm. He came back in. Of course. I don't know what he did. He got a stinger. I didn't know you could acquire stingers in basketball. That's <laughs> oh, a, only Anthony Davis. That's a well-known yeah. football injury. Us three football guys, stingers. I did not know those were be able to be acquired in any other sport other than football. That was a new that I saw that I was at Orthodox Easter in my Arab side on Sunday, and I saw that, and I was sitting next to my 82-year-old Tata, which was grandmother in Arabic, and I let out a few words, and she wasn't very happy. <laughs> <laughs> then I ate an insane amount of lamb, and it was delicious. They just need to stay healthy. LeBron is playing like LeBron. He's 38, whatever. It doesn't matter. He's playoff LeBron right now. He's in playoff mode. It is activated. AD, when he was on the court, looked very good. This used to be a joke, but Austin Reeves is legit. There was an isolation last two minutes possession, and he waved off LeBron and made the, made the basket. Like, I think it was like three or four times he waved him off. People were laughing about him saying how much money he wanted this offseason. He deserves getting, it. He's, he's getting a bag. He's getting paid. He's getting a bag. He deserves yeah. it. He's Alex Caruso on, like, 8,000 pounds of steroids. Like, he is, he's a legit player. Like, he could make an all-star team in his career. Now you got him. D'Lo's shooting very well. He's playing very efficiently. He's healthy. They just – everyone needs to just stay healthy. Everyone's playing like they need to right yeah. now. For and Rui Hachimura is really stepping up. Hachimura looked like the, the guy I always thought he'd be coming out against Zach. I thought he was going to be like a Giannis-type player. And they said that he broke a he broke a stat for, like, he's the first player in Lakers history since Magic Johnson to come off the bench with 25. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was – that's Magic Johnson. That's he's back. a supremely talented player. I've watched him ever since he was at Gonzaga. 
even when he was a freshman, they'd be being Pepperdine by like 30. Now, folks, player to watch, Rui Hachimura, he's a straight out of Japan, still learning English, is coming into the game. This is someone who they think could be a ladder, lottery top five pick. He was like, you know, the 12th man on Gonzaga. And then he did. He's a guy like I've always felt could, if, every, if he just did everything right, he'd be an all-star. The only issue was that he was drafted to the Wizards, who are basically a G League team and don't do anything except for just put their young players out there to die. So. Relegation for that. <laughs> Relegation. <laughs> it's it's for me. It's the Hornets. It's the Wizards. It's the Timberwolves. I'll give the Hawks one more year. <laughs> I don't see what I want to see. The Hawks will join them. Those three teams coming into the season it would have been the Kings, but no, the Kings are golden now. We'll, we'll talk about we'll them. Get, yes. We'll get to them. Yeah. For right, for the time being, that that is it. For Chicago me. Bulls aren't relegated yet. One more year. <laughs> One more year. <laughs> They're on probation too. They are on strict probation. <laughs> they are not allowed to buy alcohol. No having fun. I was just about to say, no having fun. They are not allowed to buy alcohol. And they're not allowed to be. Out. They have to be in bed by ten o'clock. <laughs> And everyone has to go to DeMar's camp. Everyone. Yeah, everyone's going to DeMar's work. <laughs> they have to read the Bible every night. <laughs> or Quran. Whatever. Or Quran. Or Torah. Whatever, whatever, whatever religion whatever floats your boat. you're affiliated with. <laughs> Do not want to discriminate. <laughs> NBA Commissioner Alex Agley. Everyone. Um, with the Lakers, uh, if they go on to lose this series, Jock comes back, plays really well this uh, Memphis team plays as well as they we know they can. What is the next step for this Lakers team moving forward? It's all dependent on what LeBron does. LeBron wants to play with his kids, so he's gonna go wherever he wants to. He thinks is the best way to play for his kid, or just go and play somewhere where he's always wanted to play for one more year until Brownie comes into the NBA. That'd be cool. <laughs> That'd be crazy, no, we, bro. We'd make LeBron bad. He'd average like fourteen and seven with us. He'd be like a, just a straight like stretch four. <laughs> the Dwayne Wade here. Yes, he'd be a straight stretch four. They wouldn't even let him handle the ball. That <laughs> he'd get like a couple like drop steps a game. <laughs> They'd make him come off the bench I for mean, Patrick Williams because Patrick Williams. If LeBron Williams leaves, I'm trading AD. Well, actually, depends on their cap situation. Because if if LeBron does leave. Then, like, you kind of actually have, like, a decently young team because you got – you'd have AD who's not that old. D'Lo's still young. Reeves is young. Beasley. Vanderbilt, Rui. Vanderbilt, Rui. I'd run it back with those guys. That's what I would do personally. Mm-hmm. If if they were to trade Anthony Davis in that hypo- hypothetical situation, what is his value, do you think, in the market? Barring his injuryness, I think he's worth a lot. Yeah, I honestly think he's worth two young a lot. guys, two picks. Yeah, maybe even three guys and a pick. You know, but like, barring the whole injury aspect of him, he is worth a lot of. He his his player value is very high. It in my opinion. I think when when you guys were talking about or Sack when Sack was talking about the Knicks earlier. And that package you had for Zach Levine, I think that's what the Knicks would be willing to give for a guy like Anthony Davis, not for a guy like Zach Levine. Yeah. I think that's probably that Emmanuel quickly Obi Toppin picks. Yeah. Jericho Sims would get you Anthony Davis probably. Um, let's move on uh, because we're running out of time with the NBA section here. We spent so much time on the Bulls <laughs> uh, just ranting. And relegations. <laughs> 
Uh, let's move on to the Kings against the Warriors. Sackley, I know you wanted to talk about the Kings. The Kings, man, they are doing everything that everything that everyone said they couldn't do. They went out. They won a very high-scoring game with the Warriors in Game One. I mean, Darren Fox and Malik Monk backcourt is real. They're college teammates. I've always liked Malik Monk, but he went to the Hornets. When those two started playing here, I knew Monk was going to reach his full potential, which is an electric scoring two guard. Sabonis is, he's legit, man. That's a top three center in the league. Actually, second, no, third best center in the league. Sorry. I I forgot about Embiid for a second. (laughs) They're doing everything they need to do. They're up 2-0 in this series. They got Draymond in, they're in his head. He's releasing podcast episodes three hours after the game, so you know he's not feeling good. Are you serious? Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, he, I he was very quick to start talking about what happened. I mean, during every season. every player on this Kings team that plays, other than, like, Alex Lent, can create, shoot threes, and create their own shot. They are a very hard team. They can't play much defense, but they are a very hard team to guard. Everyone can. Everyone's very skilled and can do jack-of-all-trades. They don't have a guy that's like, okay, he's a rim protector. He's going to do this, that, and that's it. Everyone can do a whole lot of different things. Harrison Barnes is fired up going against his former team because he never really got quite got like a good revenge game after they threw him to the side after him averaging 10 points in the finals. I mean, they're doing everything they need to do. They're, they're playing great. I mean, Darren Fox, is he's that guy. He's shown that he's been one of the most underrated players in the NBA since he's been in. They're, pl- they're doing what they need to do. Mm-hmm. I think if they win this series, I think they could go the whole all the way to the finals. I, my only worry with them, and I think a lot, in these first two games, some of the big big reason the Warriors weren't playing as well as they were or they didn't score as many points, is they're just like not making their shots. I think my issue with the Kings is that if they have to play defense, yeah, they won't be able to. It's that's going to be the that's going to be a big thing. So a team like the Nuggets, who are, could be a lot more consistently efficient than the Warriors are consistently efficient, that's a scary team. The Suns, who have the ability to be a lot more consistently efficient on the offensive side of the ball than the Warriors, that's a scary team for the Kings. If they can continue to just have good luck on that side, that teams just keep missing shots and that they keep making their shots, which I think they can because they are one of the most consistently efficient teams on offense. There's always somebody going off for them, whether it be De'Aaron Fox, DeMont Sabonis, Malik Monk. Kevin Herter has had a lot of very good games this season. That's a guy that's I was surprised he wasn't even like, I don't know. Obviously, he's not mentioned in uh, most improved player because the top three guys are the top three guys. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but I, th- I think he should have been at least in the conversation this season, the way he jumped up. He was a guy who people were like, seventh eighth man on a team and now he's like the starting like shooting guard for this team and he's played really well stepping into that role kind of like expanding his game um but just the big issue comes down to that defense settings DeMontis Sabonis is not the best defender De'Aaron Fox is not always the best defender now his he kind of has that John Wall defense where his energy and his athleticism help him get some steals a lot but other than that when you actually watch him play he's not the best defender I mean if you watch this game, Curry was just missing shots. Yeah. That's what it came down to. He had a lot of open They looks. just can't play on the road this year. It's really weird. They, yeah. they, they returned their entire team. They got Gary Payton and Andrew Wiggins back. Ah, let's go Kings, baby. Well, that, that's the other thing is that this Warriors team, if it's not Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, or Klay Thompson, no, everybody else is just running out there. 
It's yeah. a lot of just guys just running around. Getting cardio. Yeah, basically. And there there was a there was a stat too that said the Warriors are 0-9 when the series is 0-2 for them. So I mean, I'm I'm taking the Kings. I like what the Kings have. And I think it goes back to what we talked about where when we talked about it last um from the last season where we were talking about how with the Phillies in the World Series, that it was momentum. I think like their fan base is like so huge and powerful right now, especially with the whole light the beam thing. I think that is just gonna drive them all the way to the finals. And especially with like the fan base, like it the fan base got under Draymond's skin the other night, especially after the whole flagrant thing happened. Like <clears throat> um, like you saw him turn around to the crowd and just like yell and scream like he was so upset because of how annoying it is. And obviously we as players know how that can get, especially when going to on road games and whatever and whatnot. But like this fan base and the momentum that they're creating to really hype up the players and bring the energy up into the building and everything. It's just like that right now is their whole feeding point. And they're just like they're devouring everything in their way. And I feel like that is so huge for a team like the Kings because how you're saying with the whole defensive side of things, they won't be able to really translate that well on defense because we already know they have the offense. They have it. They've proved it. The defensive side is a little bit more questionable, and that's the one thing you have to worry about. You don't have to worry about the offense, but you have to worry about the defense because that's where a lot of the points you're giving up can kill you in the end, you know? And But it, it also, what I wanted to say was that Golden State, with, I believe it was five minutes left, they were only down maybe, um, I don't remember. But when I was watching the highlights, they weren't even down that much. And you got Curry... Just dribbling down the court and then just throwing up shots. Like, not even setting up. Just, like, throwing up shots and just, like, all right, I'm going to just put it up. Not even pass to Clay, pass to Draymond, nothing. Like, Clay in those last couple minutes, he was going nuts. Like, I honestly thought he was going to tie the game because he just kept popping threes. But you got your main guy, the guy you're paying to represent your franchise, just dribbling past half's court line and then just, you know, eh, shoot it. I'm going to just. I'm just shoot it. Yeah. I'm not even going to try and set up or make a move how I usually do and be a master at it and put up a bucket, but I'm just going to just throw it up and hopefully it goes in. Like that type of thing cannot happen because having that kind of demeanor on the court and or off the court is not what's going to help you win championships, let alone make it past the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's say the Warriors go on, lose the series like we're all saying. What what does that mean for this Warriors <clears throat> this Warriors dynasty? Like what what is is this the end? It, it's hard to say with such a good dynasty that has proven to win them championships, right? As, especially after having down years when people thought they were done. Yeah, as and and especially having your big three, your Draymond, Clay, and your your Steph, right? But they got something with this Jordan Poole kid. That kid is gonna be great. And that's something that's very hard to not give him because he's proven it. He's learned from the best. He's learned from Steph. He's learned from Clay how to shoot and whatever. But, like, that kid, 
if I'm the GM, I can build around him. Mo- Moody and Kaminga are legit. Kaminga, in my opinion, would be an all-star next year if he was on a different team. He's legit. He can play. Kaminga, if he didn't do the NBA G League nonsense, he would have gotten drafted a lot higher. He's legit. I remember hearing about him when he was in high school. He's legit. Moody can score. Moody can shoot. You put him and Poole in a backcourt, you're scoring points, no issue. Kaminga, you're small forward, five. You'll have Looney. I think Draymond leaves this offseason. Yeah. Clay wants a max-level contract, too. I don't think they pay him. I mean, yeah, maybe not. But at the same time, like, can you afford to lose that as this Warriors franchise? Like, is that... I think with Poole and Kaminga... And I would honestly, in my opinion, keep Wiggins. Yeah, I'd, I'd Wiggins. keep Wiggins more. I'd rather pay him the money, or Pool, or who, whoever, who, whomever. Sorry, um, I wouldn't want to take the risk on a max with Clay. He's a great shooter, great form, great shooter. He's gonna he's gonna be a Hall of Famer. Like I'm not I'm not trying to shoot him down, but I'm not taking that on when I know I got other pieces that I can retool instead of blow up. You know, and I don't want to. I feel like if they were to re-sign Clay to a max, that's they're blowing it up, in my opinion. Because I'm not saying he's not worth it. I just don't think you take the chance when you have so many other tools that can help this team already there, and just make everyone happy. You know, like that. that that's just me, though. You know. You said to make everyone happy. Do you think losing both Draymond Green and Klay Thompson makes Steph Curry happy, though? And isn't that the number one guy you want to make happy, I guess? Even with all those young guys, I I don't know. I don't think that without Steph Curry on this team, and if you lose both those guys, that possibility goes up, uh, especially if you're you're showing him that you want to transition to that younger age. I don't think without Steph Curry, the team, even with those guys you, you're saying, Kaminga, Moody, Poole, that's not a uh, playoff team. That's mm-hmm. not. That's a bottom half of the league team, I think. Even if Kaminga takes that next all-star player jump. Laurie Markkinen took an all-star player jump this year, and the Utah Jazz were one of the worst teams in the league. That's yeah, that's basically what I would compare the that team, team around, to. Without... The team around Kaminga would be better than the team around Laurie. It's the, it's the Warriors. You're talking about Ray... Well, Myers, the, the GM, I can't remember his first name, but he's the best GM of this century. He's going to make the right moves. He's going to draft well. He's going to sign the right guys. Uh, they'll get good. If they were to trade the big three, they're going to get great resources back for all three of those trades, and they'll be just fine. They might be bad for a year, but they'll be right back at it. It's the war. They draft well. They trade well. They sign well. They do everything well. They develop players well. They'll be fine. They're that good of an organization. They've they've done it the last ten years. They literally built the biggest, most unstoppable team we've ever seen, the Monstars. Then they all left and got hurt. They rebuilt it from scratch. They developed the the young guy in Jordan Poole. They got Kaminga and Moody. They tried Wiseman. That is the only their only glaring mistake they've made. They traded for Wiggins the season Steph was out in the 2019 season where. 2020 season where it got cut short anyway. That they traded, they literally just did the D low signing trade from Brooklyn just so they could do that and get Wiggins and the second overall pick. They'll be just fine. Yeah. And to go back with, to answer your question, if 
if I'm doing that to to Steph with, you know, letting Draymond walk, but but I think Draymond's gonna walk because he wants to walk. You know, I'm not letting him walk. You know, I think he's just done. In my opinion, I I think he's done after this season because he he's he's on the older side of things. You know, he can't move like he used to, but he has what three four championships to back him up. You know, Clay, like I said, I wouldn't take the chance on it. But if giving all of this information to Steph, I think I think Steph realizes that things never last forever, and at the end of the day, it's gonna become a business and it's gonna become a game run by young people. And I know he's not, like, super old or super young. Like, he's right there in that middle line, that gray area. But I believe that if Steph loses those two, I think he's just going to be just fine because he knows what – he knows the talent around him and knows how good it can be, especially with the coaches they have on staff, this or that, or whatever they're doing over the summer, whatever, right? I think Steph – wouldn't feel more comfortable, but I think he'd just feel as comfortable if both of those guys were gone with the team he has. Obviously, like you're saying, not a playoff team by no means, right? They'd have to get a lot of assets or draft correctly to be a playoff team, but he knows that it's a, an above 500 team, you know, not to make the team look bad and seem like they fell off, like, by a margin, you know? Yeah. I, I, I guess so. <clears throat> I guess we'll, we'll see what happens this offseason, especially after this series. I think we're going to find out right away with a lot of this stuff. Like Draymond Green, obviously, like you guys were saying, he's going to hop on his podcast right after the series is over and they lose and he's going to say something on there. So we'll find out. We're going to take a quick break, folks. It's right about 9 p.m. here. When we come back, we got a little more basketball to talk about. Then we'll talk a little NFL, maybe a little baseball if we got some time. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Blue Jay Boys Show. Welcome back to the Blue Jay Boys show, folks. Uh, if you missed that first half, we went in depth about some of the playoff series. We're going to move on from the playoff series and talk about the NBA awards. The finalists were announced a couple of days ago, and they started releasing some of the awards. Uh, we wanted to give you guys an update on the ones that they have announced and then also give you guys our predictions on the ones that they haven't yet. Let's start off by talking about the defensive player of the year race. Uh, that was the first one that they had announced the winner for. And that one, Jaron Jackson Jr. took home the Defensive Player of the Year over Brooke Lopez and Evan Mobley. Those were the other top two finalists. Uh, Draymond Green ended with the fourth uh, most votes. Uh, then it was Bam Adebayo and then Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, how do you guys feel about Jaron Jackson taking home this award? I'm fine with it. I, don't, I thought Mobley was going to get it for a second there, but I'm fine with Jackson getting it. I have no issues with it. The, uh, the Grizzlies are a pretty good defensive team. He's their rim protector. He's very good at switching, on the you know the guards. I'm I'm fine with him winning it. I have no issues with it. Yeah, I mean the the big thing with Jaron Jackson Jr. I think a lot of people what won Giannis his Defensive Player of the Year award was that he was one of the best help defenders in the league, and Jaron Jackson Jr. does that, but takes it a next step further where like Sackley was saying he can switch onto a guard like fully switch onto a guard. When Giannis won his defensive player of the year, he couldn't really fully switch on to a guard. He was just really good at if somebody got blown past, they weren't getting past both that guy and Giannis. Jaron Jackson Jr., it's like it's all him out there. I think he's like the next step up from Giannis defensively. I think that's really exciting for him. And then what's also cool is I think Evan Mobley's not far behind him in that same kind of category. 
both those guys are going to end up being generational defensive players, I feel like. And that's going to be a consistent race is between Jaron Jackson Jr. and Evan Mobley. Josh, what, what do you feel about this one? Um, I wasn't really following, like, the defensive side of things besides, like, you know, Jokic and some other guys like Morant before the whole <laughs> whole thing went down with him and <clears throat> whatnot. But I thought it was a good win for Memphis, especially after the whole Morant thing, too. Um, but I did like what you said before we got back on air. Um, Brooke Lopez, did, he really did have a really good first half of the season. And um, it was a shame that he kind of, like, uh, hit the brakes a little bit because he def- he, he probably would have had it secured if he would have kept playing the way he did in the first half. Um, but, I mean, the finalists I completely agree with. I just – I wish Adebayo was in there. But I feel like with him, he kind of took a step back this season with the defensive side of things. Um, and, I mean, that's something we talked about in the preview for their next game tomorrow that we talked about that he has to really lock in. But overall, I think the the winner, you know, Jaron Jackson deserved it. So Yeah, and I, going back to Brooke Lopez and talking about him, I think what it, one of his big issues was that in that first half of the season, he was kind of playing that third-best player role where he was scoring a lot more than he usually needed to, and that was because Chris Milton was out. And I think in that second half of the year when Chris Milton came back, even when he was coming off the bench for like that first half of games that he was playing, he was still already considered that third option. And then because of that, even though Brooke Lopez wasn't really doing less defensively, he was doing less offensively, so people kind of stopped seeing him for his defensive side of things. Like They just kind of stopped watching him versus when he was in the spotlight as that third-best player, putting up 20 and 10 a game, like prime Brooke Lopez. Like, I don't think people understand this season, Brook Lopez, that was the closest he's been to Brooklyn Nets, Brook Lopez, and it, since he left Brooklyn. And that Brooklyn Nets, Brook Lopez is the best Nets player of all time, basically. So if he is playing at that level and he can continue to play at that level for the next year or so, the Bucks could be even more dangerous than they already are. And I think he's a huge reason they are the team that they are this year as like kind of that juggernaut that people were seeing at the beginning of the year, like throughout the middle of the season. It was always, like, even with Giannis kind of dealing with a couple injuries and Drew Holiday went out for a little bit with injuries and Chris Milton missed time with injuries, people still didn't see the Bucks as worse than a top three team in the league. And it was a lot of that was because Brooke Lopez played the way he did this season. So I think even though he lost this, he deserves a little more credit than people were giving him. I think yeah. he, he really put up a fight for that award. Does it make yeah. it all defensive team? Yeah, for sure. I don't think there's... I, I couldn't think of anybody else that would go ahead of him at that center spot. It's kind of nuts that he's such a good defender now. Because back in Brooklyn, he really, he really wasn't. Uh-huh. He, he wasn't much of a rebounder. He was averaging four or five rebounds a game. Which is like his first couple of years in Milwaukee, he was doing that too. He, like, he wasn't really averaging a lot of rebounds. But this year, it was just kind of like, like you talk about Giannis changing his game, his whole career, and yeah. changing how he plays. Brooke Lopez, holy cow, him, him and Kevin Love, I don't think people give them enough credit for what they did throughout their careers to make sure that they played as long as they did. Because they both completely changed their games yeah. for their team situation, and that's that. Like, if, when you look at some of like the best players of this era, you got to give them a lot of credit for doing that. Like, that's huge. Some guys can't do that at all and just fall away. Like Derrick Rose just kind of fell away. Guys like that, like it's just yeah, kind of like, until recently. Now he's falling. He he revived himself with the Timberwolves and Knicks. It, it was a. It was like it took a while. He had the bad Cleveland year. Half year in Minnesota, then the full year, that's when he came back. But then the last year with the Bulls and that one year with the Knicks, the first time, that was bad. Yeah. Well, actually, 18-4-4, four four, but 
It wasn't. It, it wasn't, wasn't eight, winning basketball. It wasn't eighteen it was, four four. Like, oh, he did. Would, no, I mean like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah, you yeah. think eighteen four It wasn't. It wasn't. Is. It wasn't winning basketball. Yeah, it wasn't. But yeah, it, it was a Nikola, it was a Nikola Vucevic eighteen four and four. Yeah. You know, <laughs> fake stats. <laughs> yes. Um, let's move on to the next award. Let's talk about the most improved player. This one was a race that I thought, besides MVP race, is the hardest for people to decide. Uh, that ended up being Jalen Brunson, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Laurie Markkinen. The award hasn't been announced yet. Who would you guys give this one to? I mean, we talked about it before. I think I'm taking Shea. Uh, he, he, on, <clears throat> I want Laurie to win it, but I think Shea's going to win it. So I'm taking Laurie, but in the end, I think Shea is going to win uh, most improved. But I think Laurie definitely deserves it. I think, he, like, all season. All season, he's been playing out, lights out every time, away, home, whatever. And, I mean, he's set record. Not set record. He's broke records and has earned some. And, I mean, I really w- would like to see Laurie win that. But I think in the end, I think they're going to give it to Shea. Exactly who are you giving this one to? Personally, I give it to the most underrated player in the NBA this season, Jalen Brunson. I thought he should have been in the MVP conversation. He played that well. I don't think he should have won it, but I thought he should have been top five. Uh, I mean, to be, you know, he's mostly a role player in Dallas. He did kind of sprout in the playoffs last year for them, especially against the Suns. But if you go go from that to, like, 23-5 and five with the Knicks, being their best, basically their best player, uh, having that string of 40-point games to start the year, I didn't think there was a better point guard in the East this year than him. Mm-hmm. I gotta give it him. Yeah. The thing with Laurie Markkinen, I would love to give it to Laurie Markkinen, right? Yeah. Like, Bulls legend, you know, tried his hardest when he was here. Yes. You know, he just got he just got screwed by where he was drafted, like, when he was drafted. That yeah. Bulls era was... That was terrible. Cesspool of awfulness. That was like, terrible. They thought Chris Dunn was the answer. But then again, <laughs> Chris Dunn was better than any of the point guards we had yeah, this year. that is true. Um, but... The, with Laurie Markkinen is that it's not really that he improved, per se. He just went into the right situation. Yes, he was finally used the way he was supposed to, and he stayed healthy. That's all it was. Like, and I, like, I think he deserves credit for finally taking that next step. But at the same time, that's it's not improvement. It's literally just him going into the right situation, doing everything he had been doing. Everything like, he could have been doing the last five years. Exactly. And then I kind of think... With Shea is, yes, he went into a 30-point-per-game score of the season. But when people talk about the most improved player, it's it's a guy that I want to see go from role player to star. Yeah, and Shea, Shea, already a star. He didn't go from role player to star. You're right. He went from star to superstar, which is cool. That's awesome. Giannis won it that way. He went from star to superstar, and then they gave it to him. But most guys don't win it that way. And then you get to Jalen Brunson. And Jalen Brunson is by far the most improved player in the league this year. Yes, he's not the best player out of these three. Shea is by far the best player out of yes, these three. Yes, Shea's a beast. Like, you were saying Jalen Brunson should have been an MVP conversation. I think Shea Gilders-Alexander should be on an MVP yes, conversation. Yes, if I was coming in, I always said coming into this season, if I were the Grizzlies, I would have gave the house to get Shea to pair him with Jackson and Ja. Mm-hmm. They would be unstoppable. <laughs> um, but in, in, when it comes down to it, it's most improved player, and that's what Jalen Brunson did. I think the only reason I want to give him, like, MVP votes is because him and Julius Randle kind of played, like, equal roles this year and how the Knicks succeeded. I think yeah. they were, like, 
it was them. It wasn't one or the other. It was them as a duo. Yeah, the most overhated player in the NBA, Julius Randle, 25 <laughs> and 10 and 4. No one wants to talk about it. I think people just hate the Knicks. Like, even yeah. when the Knicks are fun to watch, people just hate the Knicks. Like, the Knicks don't have any unlikable players, really. They really don't. Yeah. I was say, for a second, I thought they still had Marcus Morris, but I don't think they yeah. do it. I don't like 2019. Him, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, but at the same time, most improved player, Jalen Brunson. I think. The step that he took to prove that he deserved this contract, because a lot of people questioned this contract when the Knicks gave him all that money. It was like, is is this gonna be really the next thing that puts us over the edge? And it ended. He he was more than that. He overdid what people thought he could. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what earns you a Most Improved Player nomination. I think he should win it because of that. Moving on to the Rookie of the Year votes. This was Paolo Bancaro against Walker Kessler against Jalen Williams, uh, Jalen, not Jalen. That's how I remember it. J-Dub. Yeah, exactly. Who's winning this one for you guys? Paolo. I think Paolo is going to win it, but I feel that J-Dub should win it. I mean, the last half of the season, he was averaging 20-5 and five a game on a playoff team, a playing team, but they're one game away from making playoffs. It's basically a playoff team. The Magic did get a little closer. They added 13 wins from more than what they had last year, but I thought Jalen Williams should win. I mean, Paolo Vincero really, he got off to that great start, but he really struggled, especially from three after that. It was, those were like archaic numbers, like 7% from three. He was shooting under 40% for a while. I think it should go to Jalen Williams. He, was, he looked like a seasoned pro out there. He was scoring efficiently, all three levels. I thought it should went to him. Um. Who I think it should go to and who I think it will go to is Walker Kessler. I think that, like like you said, Paolo had that first half of the season where he was like a borderline all-star. Like he, there was very legitimate, legitimate discussion for him to be like the first rookie all-star since Bron and Mello. Um, But at the same time, Walker Kessler was just everything the Utah Jazz could have wanted out of that trade and more. He he replaced Rudy Gobert and did better than Rudy Gobert did this season. Yeah, he he did. A, he had a lot of like crazy stat lines. A lot of stat lines not many people have done. I mean, to shoot sixty plus percent from the field with ten points, eight rebounds, and two blocks a game. Only only person who's ever done that is Robert Williams. And Robert Williams is one of the best defensive centers in the league. Yeah, like and he if he had could stay healthy on the court, he would probably be in that defensive player of the year vote. Yeah, um, but Walker Kessler is going to be in that. Defensive Player of the Year vote in the next two to three years. Uh, by next year, that's how good I think this he's, dude is. That and he can shoot. And yeah. He has some skills. He can move. He's he's Gobert, but everything Gobert can't do. Like Gobert can't shoot. He still insists on having that broken jump shot. It looks terrible. He can shoot free. Th- he can shoot threes. He has some post moves. Gobert can't even doesn't even have like a jump hook. All he does is just catch lobs. That's like. He's the like, king of catching. He's really good at catching. I don't lobs, understand but. these players that play for ten years and have the same skill set for all ten years. Like, if you were able to hit a mid-range jump shot and have like one reliable post move, that's like an extra like ten million dollars a year for you. Look at Brooke Lopez. Like we were saying before, Brooke Lopez and Kevin Love got themselves paid and got award nominations yes. and All-Star votes because they changed their game. Brooke Lopez went from sh- banking mid-range set shots in Brooklyn and just doing the not even jumping to hitting threes and. Posting up and going to the dunking on people. Yeah. He didn't used to do. He used to do mostly. He would do his up and unders and Hakeem type stuff, layups. Now he's just threes and dunking. 
and being one of the best paint defenders in the entire NBA. Like guys like that just anger me. Like you have guys that play 15 years and they can't, they still can't shoot free throws in year 15. You have 15 years to work on this. This is your job, and you can't get better at it. You're getting paid millions of dollars. The least you could do is go shoot 15 free throws after practice a day. Like, I've never understood that. Yeah, and because of that and because that Walker Kessler just stepped up so much and looks like the the future of this franchise, him and Laurie Markkinen and something like Colin Sexton even looks like a part of the future. Otayo Baji. Exactly. Like, I think because of that, he deserves the recognition that he deserves. Yeah. And a rookie of the year would be that recognition. Next up, let's talk about the sixth man of the year. This was an award race that, I don't know, it was like one of the least exciting yeah. sixth man of the year, like trios that I've seen in a while. Uh, it's Malcolm Brogdon for the Celtics, Bobby Porters for the Bucks, and Emmanuel Quickly for the New York Knicks. Exactly. I know you touched about it, talked about it a little bit earlier when we were talking about the Knicks and stuff. Who are you giving this award to? Giving it to Emmanuel Quickly. He's outperformed Brogdon. He's played more games than Brogdon. Brogdon's missed 20-plus games. I think that disqualifies you, in my opinion. Portis has been good, but he's also started a solid amount of games as well. well he, he was borderline not eligible for the sixth. Yes. That, and I just, I mean, quickly would just have 30, 40-point games and just take over a game. But this is, and he plays for Tom Thibodeau. A player like him does not succeed under Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> if he played for any other team, he's averaging a minimum of 20 points a game. It's him. He, at times, has taken over for this team, kind of like how Brunson has done. It's Emmanuel Quickly, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He's also he's averaging, like, three rebounds a game, three assists a game, and he's, like, a two-guard, too. So I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't want to give it to Brogdon just because it's the Celtics. Like, I don't know why the Celtics. I just don't like the Celtics. Like, there's a team that I just feel like is going to disappoint this season. Oh, yeah. And it's going to happen sometime soon, and people are going to be like, wow, what happened to the Celtics? And it's just been all year that they've just been kind of like mid, but also like good mid, I guess. Yeah. And it's just like. They'll win, but it's not impressive. Exactly. It's like just like. Oh, it's like I, I hope you again. can win that game. You got all these players. You're supposed to have one of the best teams in the NBA. You just made it to the finals last year. I mean, Joe Mazzula, like, he's done well. He's done well. He has a very bright future. He's a very young coach. He's like 33, 34. He's done well. But there's some moments where he just looks like he has no clue what is going on. He's just sitting there, and his eyes are like the size of like this water bottle right here, like like bulging out of his head. Like he has no clue what's it's going just on. bug eyes. Yeah, like me. Like, you know how I always do this? <laughs> You're bug eyes. I'm very bug eyed. But he makes mine look like mosquito eyes. And it just helps that you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown who. Even if there isn't a game plan, the game plan is just give Brown's them the ball and hope they. Season, so you might as well enjoy him while you have him. Where, where do you think? Going off a little off topic now that you just said that, though, where's Jalen Brown going? Houston. Hmm. He goes to Houston. James Harden's going back. He's leaving Philadelphia. He wants to go back to Houston. Those two, you get rid of Porter. You still have Jalen Green, and they're going to go get Wemby. With that, Jabari Smith Jr. That would be a fun team. <laughs> That's what I think. And Alpern Sangoon. Yeah, and Sangoon. Territory Easton's a good looking rookie. You got Usman Garuba. It's fun. Ty Ty Washington, fun. Jalen Green, if he can just act like a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Brown is leaving. He's not like he didn't like that they almost traded him. 
He didn't like that they drafted Tatum. It's been brewing for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's gonna want a lot of money, and I don't think Boston's willing to. I don't think Boston's willing to say he's worth it, though. You watch. If they lose Brown, they're a playing team next year. Seventh seed. <laughs> All right. Well, Jalen well, Brown's their best player. I'm keeping that sound bite. Jalen Brown is better than Jason Tatum. I've always felt this. Ooh, wow. That's he is crazy. more He is more efficient. He shoots the ball better. He plays better defense. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's happening right now. <laughs> plays better defense. And I feel he plays better in big games. Tatum, Tatum looked like me in the finals last year. Jalen Brown was between the leg thing he always does with a bang. Mid-range, bang, dunk, dunk, three. He showed up every day. Tatum, yeah, there's some games where Tatum's going to get dropped 50, and he's, yes, but. And Jason Tatum's kid is annoying. I don't like his kid. <laughs> what? Why are you hating on the man because of his kids? I don't like it. <laughs> you, don't, you didn't deserve to be in the locker room. Get he's him out like, of there. He's like five years old. You don't need to see. That's like saying to... I don't like you when you're on Tito's. <laughs> You don't need a little kid to be in the locker room after a game. You know what goes on in the locker room after the game. That is annoying. He tried fighting uh, someone one time after the game. It was kind of funny. I just don't like Jason. I'm sorry. Jalen Brown is better. I did not like it when the Celtics drafted Jason Tatum. I thought he was soft. He was soft in college. Uh, Coach K, he's come on. You a St. Louis boy? I thought you were tough. That's what he said. You watch. I'm tired right. of the Celtics. They've been good for 80 years. I'm tired of them. I'm keeping the sound bite. And then Go next ahead. next year, when Jalen Brown leaves and is on a different team, we'll see if your prediction comes true. Um, just one more thing with this most improved player. I just like I know I keep talking about how good the Bucks are, but the fact that they had this is their like third guy in a top three in one of these awards, like I if the Bucks get past Miami Heat, which I think they probably will. I don't think there's a team stopping them, dude. If Giannis is healthy, it, this is a scary team. Uh, but I just Milwaukee pride, I gotta say. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, before we talk about the MVP award, let's talk about the Coach of the Year uh, finalist. Is something I kind of wanted to get your opinion about because this is just kind of an interesting thing. I think I know what your answer is gonna be, but uh, the finalists are Mike Brown for Sacramento, Mark Dangal for uh, Oklahoma City, and Joe Mazzulla for the Boston Celtics. Who are you giving it to? Mike Brown. Yeah, I'm, no I'm good. explanation needed. <laughs> yeah, Mike Mike Brown for sure. I, and I, what's funny is I just saw a clip of him like sprinting down the court in practice. Like that. That's the kind of coach you want. That's the kind of energy that helps. It when you bring that type of energy to the table, it it builds up the team. You know, having a guy that passionate and that invested into a team like Sacramento is what's going to help them beat Golden State and take them all the way. I think Joe Missoula, the thing about it, he's just getting, like, that Steve Kerr nomination where it's just, like, your team's just really good, yeah. so you just get a nomination because of that. That's literally what's happening. Yeah, Mark Jackson <laughs> built that team. Yeah. Um, I I would probably give it to Mike Brown, too. Uh, I just wanted some love to Mark Dagnall. I think Oklahoma City is a year or two ahead of where they should be, especially right. since Chet Holmgren didn't play this season. Oh, once they so get next, him back. He's, next year he, when they have two. Once they get him back, he's going to be a finalist again. If that, it, that's a promise. Yeah. If Poku and Usman Dan could just like eat some barbecue and lift weights, they could go like eighty-two and zero. <laughs> I don't know about that. 
but I think they could be more than what they were this season, and that's they were pretty good this season for what they are. Uh, talking about this final award, the MVP award, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Nikola Jokic, who are you giving the award to? Jokic, that's a back-to-back-to-back to back MVP right there. I think this award will go to Embiid, especially with how bad the Nuggets played in the last month of the season. But I, personally, I would give it to Giannis. Yeah. Um, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I just don't want to give it to Embiid. I think it's hilarious that he just keeps <laughs> losing it. Honestly. <laughs> um. I think he. <laughs> I think he is going to get it just because, like, kind of the opposite thing. I think people are tired of seeing Jokic and Giannis win it. They don't really want to see either one of them win their Boo-hoo. third MVP. It's the same thing with, like, I'm tired of seeing Golden State win finals. It's the same thing. Well, go- hopefully Golden State doesn't win a final. Well, hopefully. Not- <laughs> knock on wood. I yeah. have my way with Jokic in the post. <laughs> you would not have your dude, way with Jokic dude, in the post. Dude, your head is where his belly button is. I saw this move. Jokic did a hop step backwards, spun, and then did his one step to the layup. It was insane. It was one of the oh, most yeah, crazy plays that. I have ever seen. And, like, everybody in the comps was like a travel. And I was like, that was not a travel. He literally half-stepped towards the basket without looking at it, spun around the dude, and then one step to a layup. It was insane. Jokic is a dog, bro. I, like, as like that one wal- walrus. That, like, the shark is just never able to catch on Animal Planet. Exactly. It's nuts. You mean seal? Well, I'm talking about like the, like the fat walruses that the sharks sometimes when they feel ambitious, they like try to go and get. But usually they just stick with the penguins and the seals. But when they feel ambitious, they go get the walruses. Because they're laying there like, <laughs> <laughs> with the fangs coming out of their mouth. They're just like, they're just like, <laughs> and they just sit there. Are it's we like, on upstairs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're live upstairs. You're making walrus noises to hold her gap. We're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh. um, but <laughs> like I was saying, like I, as much as I think Embiid is going to win this award, I, you can't like if I were voting, I can't give it to Embiid. What Jokic, what Jokic does. On that court is something I've never seen. Yeah, but Embiid eats Jokic's lunch every time they play each other. But Embiid doesn't want to play Jokic. <laughs> he, when? When did he do that? That last matchup of the season, he sat out that game. And he it re- was it was for rest reasons. It wasn't even an injury. It was rest reasons. He needs his rest. You've seen his track, his uh, history. Uh, Tyreek Smacks, he's got it. He balls out. He, yeah. James Harden played well at the end of the season. He didn't need the rest. He needed to play that game because it also was kind of an important game for like playoff standings, too, because he sat out against the Bucks too, after that, like a week later for the same thing. And, you know, like I know that's kind of a petty reason to take it away from him. But when I watched Jokic just do what he does, I was like, nobody else does that. Like, that's just insane. What Like, his game is just definition of unicorn. And then Giannis, like, if the Bucks didn't have Giannis Antetokounmpo, that is a poverty franchise. Yeah. He is the – when his career is over, he is a top three player of all time. Yeah. I think he, he takes, like, Kareem's spot as, like, that third guy is who I would give that third spot to. Like, that's, that's how good I think Giannis is. And I think he probably deserves the MVP the most because he was the main reason his team stayed alive this season with all the injuries that they had. And Chris Middleton not being the same player he was until kind of the end of the season. I I don't know. I just I think Giannis probably deserves it in my mind. 
Jokic probably deserves it generally, and I think Embiid's going to win it is what it's going to come down to. <laughs> we got yeah, about- If he never got hurt, it'd be Derrick Rose right now. Yeah, most likely. <laughs> well, maybe we'll see a comeback season from him next year. I feel it. When he comes back to Chicago? That would be insane. He returns to Chicago. Just Signs absolutely him. obliterates everyone in his way. <laughs> we, just, we, we return the same team, but Vooch plays like beast Vooch. It's the DeMar from last season. Levine reaches a new height, and Derrick Rose wins MVP again. We win. I'd, I'd ball like a baby. No. They cut them all. They cut everybody. Resign Derrick Rose. Oh, yes. Well, dang. Comes yes. out of retirement. Yes. Joakim Noah Boom. comes out of retirement. Oh, my God. Kirk Heinrich yes. comes back. Nate Robinson. Everybody. point God. Kirk Heinrich. Last dance 2.0. Like, I always see that, like, that makeshift picture of D-Rose in, like, a Bulls uniform holding that trophy. Oh my and god! His hand, for whatever reason, whoever made it, his hands are like way too big. Yeah, the one where he was crying exactly. during the interview yeah. in Minnesota. Yeah. The, when he has the long hair, if, if he ever won a chance, that's why I'm rooting for the Knicks. If if D Rose wins a championship, I'm bawling like a baby. Oh yeah, I, I will cry. He deserves. it. I will cry long and hard. <laughs> I will cry myself to sleep, and I will call for work the next day. Sorry, Mike and Matt, my two bosses <laughs> at Farm. If anyone's looking for some wonderful greenhouse film, go to <laughs> farmplasticsupply.com. Wow, what a plug. Very natural. <laughs> All right. We got about 30 minutes left in the show here. We talked way more about basketball than we were planning on. Uh, let's move right on into baseball. Uh, it's been, you know, a couple more weeks since the season has started, but a lot of things have been happening. Let's start with the Chicago Cubs. They are defying all expectations right now. Uh, the first person I want to talk about is Cody Bellinger. We were talking about him at the beginning of the year. And the big thing was that he just needed to make contact. Uh, Cody Bellinger is now on a seven-game hitting streak as of yesterday and went five for five yesterday, yep. including robbing his home, own team of a home run, which, second of all, Jason Hayward hit a ball far enough to like be a home run. Insane. Haven't seen that in 42 years. I know, right? Um, <clears throat> Cody Bellinger made an awesome play on that and then also hit, like, destroyed a baseball. Um, do you see this as – kind of just a flash of what Cody Belger used to be, or is this turnaround season for him? I think this is a turnaround season for him. I don't think we need him going yard every single time. I think what we really really need is his defense, like he proved he still has, and uh, we need his consistent uh, getting on base. When people are on base and he's up to bat, that's when we really want you know him to really hit those bombs. But not even that, just bring in one or two, you know. We don't need to go absolutely yard every time and try and swing out of our mind, right? But I think we need to see this consistent uh, pattern of hitting because, like you said, five for five last night. That, that's 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 amazing to see out of, uh, you know, an old MVP winner, you know, <clears throat> and all of that. But um, I just think we need to, you know, Get him looks against, you know, any every and any type of pitch, you know, when practice comes around and everything, just so he's ready and he's comfortable. And I just think the whole consistency uh, level is what's really important, you know. And that goes for anyone on the team. But mainly for him because I think this is uh, – we, we saw flashes of him back when he won MVP, right? But I feel like this is all brand new for him to just get on base instead of just – make one hit and walk around all of them, you know? And I kind of like that more. And he's stealing bases. And that's what I kind of like to see. 
You know, I, I like how they're not being too safe with him. They're letting him really, like, branch out with that type of aspect uh, with stealing bases. And I just think we need to keep seeing it and be consistent. And um, I think it's he's going to turn out really, really, really good this season. Yeah. Um, do you feel like uh, – here, let me talk about Patrick Wisdom a little bit. Patrick Wisdom has eight home runs so far. In that game yesterday, had two home runs yep. along to match Cody Bellinger's five hits. Yep. Which of those two guys do you see their production being sustainable for the rest of the season? Uh, wisdom, by far. Because um, I think right now, Belly is still in his rebuild mode internally with himself. Like he's, ba- I feel like he's battling himself right now, right? I don't think it's, you know, the team against him. I think it's him against him right now, you know? But the more consistent type of player we'll see is wisdom. Wisdom for sure. You know, he's been he's been here the longest. He's seen it all. Um, and uh, I feel like he could be that turnaround player that we really see consistent, like, play, play in, play out type of action from him. Um, defense, I'm kind of questioning a little bit uh, um, because they have a – they have a big rotation right now between him and Madrigal. I'm not really liking it, but, you know, they got to try it. They got to play their cards right now. Um, but uh, I think offensively, wisdom for sure. Wisdom by far is probably going to be the one we're going to see the most consistency out of uh, in this lineup, actually, uh, besides half maybe. Um, because I feel like, when Wisdom's at bat, his the way he reads the ball is probably the best on the team by far. Like he, <clears throat> excuse me. I feel like he has the best knowledge when it comes to it, but I also think he, not to say he knows when to go yard, right? But he knows when he can crush a ball and when he needs to like bring people in, right? And I think he has the best sense of that when playing the game. Mm-hmm. You think he has a better sense of that over Dansby Swanson or Nico Horner, too? I I think so. Because I feel like I feel like right now, like Nico and Swanson are kind of like, let's get a hit and let's just work on our base running. Because right now, like statistically we were the best base running team, but we've had, you know, a few pickoffs here and there and whatever, and that's kind of gone down a little bit. But I think right now we're still the best uh, base running and bag stealing team, and I feel like that's what they're focusing on because they know in the lineup you got speed, speed, and then power, power. Because it's Nico Swanson, Hap, uh, and sometimes it's Wisdom, sometimes it's Bellinger, right? So you have, like, a, your two speed guys and your power guys, that can really reel them in when they make a deep hit, right? And I feel like that's what more or less they're kind of like working on right now because they probably feel like that'll come, that'll play a big factor later in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you, and exactly, I want to get your input on this one too. Uh, with how hot the whole entire team has been, you know, Belger's been super hot, Wisdom's been super hot, as we talked about. Nico Horner and Dansby Swanson have both been super hot. And that's even with Dansby Swanson, all the stuff that's going on at home. Prayers up to Mallory Swanson, tore her ACL, probably did a, a lot worse to her knee uh, while playing for the U.S. soccer team. 
uh, oh, might, might have ended her so. career, actually. Yeah, so that, that was part of the reason he left the game early on Sunday, I believe it was. I didn't know that. that or was Saturday, his life. Saturday, yeah. I did not know that. So he had to leave the great game early. All that stuff was happening. He came out and still played well yesterday. Uh, so praise up to her and his family. Um, you know, but he's been super hot. Nico Horner's been super hot. Since Seiya Suzuki has been back, he's been on Wait, he's two fire. He's 2-2 tonight. Dude. On fire. He's a dog. Um, I know I asked you between Cody Ballinger and Patrick Wisdom, which one is more sustainable. Uh, do you think this production as a team is sustainable moving forward? I think so. And I feel like <clears throat> I feel like it kind of – we kind of saw a bigger uh, production once Seiya was back in the lineup. And that's because, you know, he was still hurt and we were moving guys around like Wisdom would play third and then you'd have Mancini or Mastroboni in right. And then you see Wisdom in right. And then uh, you see Madrigal at third. And it was kind of like we were trying to play and see and whatever because we knew they had the defense, but we didn't really know who had the power, right? And I feel like with Cezaya back in there, we have a sense of like um, – relief essentially right to really be like we know what we're bringing to the table or to the plate right we know what we're bringing to the plate and we know we're gonna bring people in we still have the tendency of leaving people stranded which is mad annoying but <clears throat> right now i think especially in that last dodger series those guys went absolutely crazy especially with that with cesea coming back in that first game of the series he went nuts and so did who who went crazy that game? Um, Gomes. Gomes went nuts. Two for two, well, two home runs. <laughs> like the ancient dinosaur went absolutely crazy, you know. So I think right now the team as a whole, like everyone knows they have like their part in the production, and but like everyone knows they're gonna get it done because they know that it's a gifted offense hitting wise. Mm-hmm. Exactly. How, how do you see this keeping up? I don't think it's sustainable. I think we can be a good offensive team all year, but, I mean, look, we don't have Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, and Baez and all the boys. We got we have a solid group of guys. But they're not as talented as those guys. At least they haven't shown it to me yet. I think this is not going to be sustainable, but I think we can be a good offensive team all year. That can be the strength of our team. It can take us somewhere. It's just going to come down to our pitching. Stroman is the real deal. He hasn't allowed any runs this whole season, hasn't allowed any tonight. Smiley, as you said earlier, you're the worst pitcher you've ever seen. Or prime Nolan, uh, <laughs> Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan. Uh, Just Justin Steele's been one of the most underrated players. Steele looks good all season. Yeah. He's 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 getting better. What was was, was Nesky pitched well yesterday? Yeah, he yeah. pitched well. He still has his trouble like Stroman. He loves to put guys on the corners. Yeah, but that last night performance was a lot lot better than what we saw. You know, from yeah. opening the opening series that we had, and I'm very like. Very hopeful to see what's uh, what's uh, what's what he can accomplish, you know, through the rest of the season. Yeah, Elzale. I mean, he's. I thought he's done very good. Every game he pitch comes in relief and pitches like two innings. Uh, that's the guy that used to be a starter. He would start very strong, but then fade terribly. He's found his place now. I think he can be a guy that kind of carries our bullpen. We're getting one to two good innings from every game. Uh, it's been kind of a group effort. I feel. But they've been a lot better than I thought they'd be. You know, Thompson is the, in there as well. Uh, Boxberger. Uh, it's been a good group effort. Yeah, I think what what is helping this Cubs team right now, 
And I, I'm kind of more on the side of Sackley where I don't think it's sustainable. I think the team's going to slow down after a little bit. But at the same time, I I wouldn't be surprised if they keep it up. Yeah. Um, it's a team full of guys that were looking to prove themselves. Motivated. From one through nine, from pitching staff, the first guy in the rotation to the fifth guy in the rotation. And we get Hendricks back too. Forget about that. Exactly, yeah. It's Man, it's a, when he comes back, it's <laughs> it's it's wraps. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm telling I'm no, I'm telling you, it's wraps. Um, it's all these guys came into the season needing to say something about themselves. Mm-hmm. Nico Horner needed to prove he deserved deserved that contract. Dansby Swanson needed to prove that he deserved that contract. Everybody was saying Dansby Swanson was getting carried by Atlanta. They were like, he needs to come in to Chicago and prove that he is that dude. What everybody thought he can be, you know. Eric Hosmer needed to prove he's not done. Like people, Gomes. He was both him and Gomes were at the last strand of their careers. Basically, they were this close from retiring. Cody Bellinger needed to tell people that he was an MVP at one point. Yeah, he was the real deal. Exactly, he was the pride and joy of the Dodgers. He was their young, big slinging, baseball hidden guy. Mm-hmm. Patrick Wisdom has the ceiling of a Pete Alonso. I feel like yeah, he's that good of a home run hitter. Yes. And he needed to come out this season and say that he could do that consistently. And he's he, he actually has a chip on his shoulder because he was like a 28-year-old mm-hmm. rookie. Yeah. You know, you look at the pitching staff. Marcus Stroman yeah. was a guy that people kind of had given up on Small after guy. that year in yeah. New York. It was kind of like New York sucked for him, honestly. He came to Chicago last year, was on and off. Yeah. And then this year he needed to prove that he was – that same pitcher he was when he was in Cy Young conversations. Yep. Um, it's just the whole entire team has a chip on their shoulder, and I would love if they could keep that all season. I just don't think it's going to last. I've seen what Cody Bellinger did last year. People forget Cody Bellinger did the same exact thing last year. He started off last season extremely hot and then fell off right again. I need to see him keep com- making contact for more than a month. I need Nico Horner and Dansby Swanson to be above three – be above their 300 average for more than a month mm-hmm. because I think both of them can do it. I need to see it. I need Patrick Wisdom to hit home runs for more than three weeks. Yeah. And I need him to be able to actually hit the ball yeah. sometimes too. Like sometimes with him it's home run or nothing. Um, Jan Gomes needs to not be 87 years old. <laughs> like that. that's the only issue with him is that he's just played when Babe Ruth was hitting home runs. <laughs> yeah. You know. I need the pitching staff to just be on their game. I also think it goes to Ross, too. Ross can't be mm-hmm. playing uh, guys like Rios, who's batting .077. Like, he cannot be playing guys like that. I, I understand a hit is a hit, but that's not going to, in my opinion, positively affect us. I think it's going to hurt us. Yeah, we'd be better off bringing Addison Russell back. You're gonna <laughs> bat like that. I don't know if we're better bringing back Addison Russell. <laughs> I mean, he'd probably have a way better batting average than him. And that hit, I'd rather have Darwin Barney. <laughs> sure, we can call that back <laughs> to Darwin Barney. <laughs> um, you know, I think with David Ross, and I, I know you have this issue with the rotations and stuff, and I think a lot of it right now is that we have so much talent on this roster right now. Like, there's a lot of guys who have proven in other spots that they could be pretty good. So, right now, Coach Ross is just kind of going through it and, like, we're not a playoff team right now. He knows that. But they're playing better than what they should be. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, he's got to look forward and, like, think about the end of the season and be like, 
I need to find out who my nine guys are going to be. And, yes, these guys are playing very good right now. But I've seen Patrick Wisdom go and hit .077 for a couple months. Patrick Wisdom has done that and gotten sent down because of it. Um, I think you need to kind of take the time and say, yes, he's hitting eight home runs this month. But we have to put him on the bench for Nick Madrigal for a little bit because we need to see what we have in Nick Madrigal. Because two years ago, Nick Madrigal was a huge part of that trade when they traded Quintana to the White Sox. That was kind I of like, seen it from him. He needs to show me. I ain't yeah. seen anything from him. So, he needs to stop getting hurt. It's baseball. How are you getting hurt in baseball? <laughs> I don't care. A lot of people get hurt you in baseball. You don't get hit. I don't care. We, My we, feelings. We, uh, <laughs> let's go. Drink some milk. <laughs> I think Zach would be an awful baseball coach. He's the best. What are you talking about? You ever see that, that Twitter account? It's like coach something. It's like, yeah, your 13 year old isn't doing this. He's a loser. He's not He's not skipping school to go straight to the batting cages. Not a true winner. Like the best part about that guy is that there's like every tweet that he tweets under, there's like all the replies are just angry parents. Like, at him. like they think he's a real person. Twitter is for the dumbest people on earth. Yeah, like Tony Schiffman. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Twitter is just accessible. I can't even use Twitter anymore because of how bad it is. You can't escape me, Tony. <laughs> um, kind of going back to the Cubs here. Right now, they are sitting at second in the division. The Milwaukee Brewers are looking like juggernauts right now. Like yeah. they are, that is a team. I'd like, be surprised if we actually got in front of them. They'll like, be. They do well until August. When August comes, they forget how to play baseball. They've done this 10 years in a row. They don't even have Ryan Braun to get pass out <laughs> HGH anymore. I'm not worried about the Brewers. Yeah, and, and I'm still sticking to my word, and I said it, what, I think two or three shows ago, Cubs are winning the pennant. We're, we're getting, we're, like I just said, I'd be surprised if we passed them because they're playing really good baseball right now. But, in, like, I kind of agree with Sackley. I think right now, they're kind of gonna, they're gonna go up and then they're gonna fall. And I think the Cubs right now are going up. They're gonna fall and then climb right up. They're gonna have that midseason slope where we just suck so bad, and then we're just gonna go absolutely crazy, and we're winning that pennant. We're we're winning the NL. I, I'm sorry. What? So right now, in like the first three weeks of the season. What is one thing you're hoping the Cubs improve on going forward in this season? I think when the time comes around, I know it's a little bit of ways away, but when time comes around where, like, that door opens when we can go and sign people, definitely attack pitching. Yes. Definitely. Because I think think when that trade deadline window opens, that's the only way we're going to win that pennant is if we attack pitching. Because by that time, we'll see what the offense has in store for us. Where, where, how you said we find our nine guys. I don't think this. We don't. I don't think we have the whole 162 games to find the nine. I think we have up until that small window of the trade deadline to find those nine and stick with them, but then go out and add to our bullpen, right? Because by the time that window comes, we're gonna have Hendricks back, right? Marcus Stroman's still gonna be on a roll. Wesneski's going to be even better because he's going to be playing in X amount of games, right? But I think adding more depth to our bullpen right now is... I, I just had a bad idea. Oh. Keep talking. <laughs> I think adding to the bullpen and giving good depth, and I feel like 
I think most of our guys, we have maybe a couple lefties. I think if we have more lefties and maybe another righty, because I know most of our guys are righties in the bullpen and even our starters, if we add a little bit more lefties, it's going to throw a lot of teams off because not a lot of people like hitting off lefties. Lefties, is, it's a weird thing to face a lefty, right? So I think adding that kind of depth to us makes us a dangerous team, but also a team that you don't want to face. Because then you're like, oh my God, a lefty? And not everyone's half to where they could switch hit, right? So I feel like doing that would actually solidify us taking that first place. One one thing that I've kind of noticed, and I've like this whole like beginning of the season, my big question is, why did they send down Christopher Morrell? And I starting to like think about it a little bit, and you talking about the trade deadline kind of brings me into this. I think that's exactly why they sent down Christopher Morrell and why they haven't brought up guys like Pete Crow Armstrong, why he's still sitting in AAA too, is because they're getting ready for that trade deadline and they don't want Christopher Morrell to be in the major leagues and be bad, or Pete Crow Armstrong to be in the major leagues and be bad. They want those guys to be in AAA so that they hold that trade value when it comes to the trade deadline so that they can make a big move like that at the trade deadline if they are competitive, if they're sitting in that second-place spot in the uh, NL Central. They have those pieces set and ready to go. And then after the trade deadline, let's say they're not very good, they can just call those guys up for the rest of the season and they can play the whole second half of the season. <clears throat> so I think that's kind of my big theory on why Christian Morrell is sitting in AAA right now is because they don't want him on the team right now. They think he's worth a star player when it comes to trade deadline time. So if they are good enough to that point, I think that's exactly the reason they have those guys down there. Exactly. What's one thing you would want the Cubs to improve on going forward in the season? Take consistency out of their starting pitching. I'd say that. Uh, I mean, in terms of player acquisition, I wouldn't mind going and getting our catcher just because Gomes is so old. He could like squat down to catch the ball and not get up. Yeah, and Barnhart, on the other hand, isn't really yeah. all of that great either. So I, I, I kind of agree with Zachary. I, mean, I miss Willie. I'm still mourning the loss of Willie. Even though he's not doing good either. Yeah, he's, so he's not even doing good <laughs> That's in what St. you Louis. get for going to St. Louis. <laughs> I mean, he, ju- he just had a homer maybe like 10, 15 minutes ago to make it uh, 9 to 8. But before that, yesterday, like he was happy to get an infield single where the second baseman messed up the play, and that was like his first hit in forever. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, if you're losing to the Diamondbacks, like, the Diamondbacks are going to, in two to three years, the Diamondbacks are going to be World Series contenders. I am calling that. They have one of the most loaded farm systems. Like, Corbin Carroll and Jake McCarthy are insane. Both of those dudes, it's over. And they have, like, three really good young pitchers, including Zach Gallen, who I was talking about Justin Steele being one of the most underrated players in the league. Zach Gallen is the most underrated player in the league. That dude is a beast on the mound. They got to do it because the Cardinals ain't going to do it. So. Well, yeah, exactly. Um <clears throat> Is there any catchers you'd see around the league that you'd be trying to go after, talking catcher? Not particularly at this moment. I mean, then my bad idea that I had was I got kind of fired up by Josh saying we're going to win the pennant, and then <laughs> we were talking about chip on the shoulders. I was, this is kind of out of left field. I thought we should go saying, go to Japan and send Corey Kluber. <laughs> I mean, that's a guy with a chip on his shoulder all the time, even when he was in the league. Trevor Bauer, man. Wait, I don't. He, want he, he just debuted. He just debuted in his first game. Is that the one? What's the yeah. one that got kicked off the Dodgers? Trevor yeah, Bauer. Trevor Bauer. Bauer. So I was just say Corey, Corey Kluber, Kluber. He's on Boston. Like he's he's what, he's still he's yeah. still a guy who has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, I meant to say Trevor, Trevor Bauer. Bauer. Yeah, I get those two confused. Dude, I was watching him pitch like his first game. He's a dog, bro. 
I we, understand. We can get them for cheap. I understand it's Japan and like they're not used to the pitching that Americans can throw, but dude, like he still has it, man. He still has it, dude. Like Trevor Bauer's still a dog. Like he's a menace on the mound. He's just an issue for the locker room. This Cubs team has such a good like. We had Addison Russell on our team, and they got rid of him because he was a pain in the butt. Yeah, but he was bad. <laughs> yeah, that's after he... the World Series season, I could hit better than him. <laughs> he forgot he was him and Javi Baez just decided. Uh, Javi, Javi Baez got good after the World Series. He had that one like MVP year, and then he and then he forgot how to hit the ball. Too. Yeah, and then he just swinging anything and hope for the best. If I were a baseball player, like I would be Javi Baez. Just hit that. Like yeah. if you guys have played MLB the show, I'd be hitting X all the time. Like that's me <laughs> every game. I don't know how he doesn't like break his back swinging so hard. And some of those are like seventy mile per hour curveballs just hitting the dirt, and he is swinging for the fences. <laughs> fences. And how we talked about really quick because we don't have a lot of time. Um, how you're saying Morell's in the feeder in Iowa, and so is Pete Crow Armstrong. I it sounds crazy, but if Baltimore somehow like just fell off off their streak right now. They're not giving up Adley Rushman. Don't Adley even Rushman bring it up. Adley Rushman for both of them, bro, and picks. They're not taking that. Dude. Adley Rushman, I was telling this to Sackley before the show. There are very few catchers of all time that can win an MVP award. Adley oh, Rushman. one of them. Yes. Adley, Adley yes. Rushman is going to win an MVP award. All right, fine. We're getting Otani. The, uh, the Orioles, I was talking about some of these other teams. Like, the Cubs are ahead of schedule. The Orioles are 10 steps ahead of schedule. If they fell off this season, they would not care. Because they are, they were ready to be bad. But Adley Rushman is playing like he could be an MVP this season. Gunnar Henderson's playing really well. They have Grayson Rodriguez sitting in their uh, farm system ready to be called up as a starting pitcher, and he's like the best starting pitcher prospect in the league right now. They're, they would It would take the entire Cubs farm system plus their whole roster to get Adley Rushman. That and the, and the, the Ivy, too. Yeah. Yeah, they the take Cubby Bear. They they take Wrigley Field just because where the Orioles play is like Vines. the worst park in the world. We'd have to trade cities. <laughs> That's literally what it would be. Um, I saw this thing like before we leave here. Fan bases in the Orioles park. Somebody they hit it. It was called like a reverse unicorn home run, and that means that in any other park. The ball, where the guy hit the ball, it would be a home run, except for in the Orioles park. And it was a fly out. Oh, my God. It was, I think it was Austin Hayes for the Orioles. And he hit it. It was like 420. And the dude caught it on the warning track. What? Literally any other park, they said it would have been a home run. But oh, because yeah. the Orioles park is so awful, <laughs> they couldn't. Well, then again, uh, Yankee Stadium is awful. Bro. Well, that's because they have a two-foot right field that anybody yeah. could hit a home run over. Same thing with Boston. So. My blinded, deaf, dead pug could hit a home run over that right field wall. <laughs> <laughs> All right, doesn't matter if we don't get any Richardson, we're getting Otani. So. Exactly. Otani for the Cubs. All right, folks, that is going to do it for us tonight. If you enjoyed what you heard tonight, be sure to tune into us next week, same time, same place, Tuesday, 8 to 10 p.m. If you join the show late, you can also check out the rest of the show on Spotify in about 30 minutes after Thanks this. Thanks for listening to the All right, folks, catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Blue Jay Show. You can find us on Spotify, TikTok, and Instagram.